You're now listening to The Bonus Show. Welcome to The Green Majority Bonus Show. We have an interesting conversation centered around Stephen Hawking this week and his claim that we may only have 100 years left. Uh, We talk about space travel, all that and more coming up right now in The Bonus Show. You can become a member of The Green Majority if you support what we do and you enjoy these little conversations, especially The Bonus Show, which is uh, done purely and exclusively for our podcast audience as a thank you for downloading our show uh, you can support us if you appreciate that by joining us at patreon which is p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com slash green majority and welcome you're listening to the bonus show Stefan. bonus show bonus show bonus show uh so stephen hawking he's a guy That's generally true. considered pretty smart um Thanks for all going to die. <laughs> no. So uh, th- this has been something we've talked about uh, repeatedly uh, before, which is sort of to what extent is using uh, – it's not the only thing I want to talk about here. I want to talk about the actual science part. But I'd like to start, Stefan, with a, with a brief introductory discussion of uh, how are you feeling about t- today in late June of 2017 about the use of extreme language? And the, the reason just for context why this has been a discussion before and why we may have different opinions now, we'll see what Stefan mm-hmm. thinks, uh, is because in the past we've been a little bit conflicted because A, I'm, you know, A, the extreme language is simply more accurate uh, in often cases, you know, and, 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 Unfortunately, there's been a, a, some concern because of people's knee-jerk reaction to extreme language, regardless as to whether or not it's accurate, uh, whether or not it is an actual extreme situation. If they don't understand it as extreme and someone calls it extreme, then you're now you know, a, a maligned and accused of being sort of, you know, what, what's the word that people like to use for climate, uh, essentially, uh, but that you're exaggerating and, and that it, under, in some audiences – um, an alarmist, that's the word. Uh, and in that some, uh, some audiences may actually tune out at simply seeing the presence of this language because, well, you can't possibly be that bad. Therefore, I can't trust you. Therefore, I can't trust anything you have to say. And, uh, and there. Now, I don't, I think the fact, and I, I wonder about this as well. Um, I wonder if the fact that Stephen Hawking is saying it makes a difference. And what I mean is not because people will respect him more. On the contrary, uh, I think the only people who care at all what Stephen Hawking has to say are folks who are generally already in agreement, uh, just because he's sort of a figure that I don't expect folks who aren't interested in science pay much attention to anyway, uh, or would realize why it was important that we listen to him, um, or, or at least consider what he has to say. And so on this, in this case, I actually think it's quite fine because I think the audience – I'm not concerned about that fact because the audience – I think the only audience that's going to be listening to him agrees that this type of language is in fact appropriate. And, and the only controversial nature of what he's saying was that really is the timeline component, not the extremeness of saying we have a certain amount of number of time. It's really not that far off before, before humanity goes extinct. Uh, so let's start there and then we'll, we'll get into the actual – what he's proposing and, and, and whatever after the fact. But let's just start at the conceptual level, Stefan. Conceptual yeah. level, excuse me. Um, it's interesting, right? I feel like the, the the tension here, at least for me, more often than not, is I don't feel comfortable guessing what the all at once will look like, I guess. Um, and it's, it's this funny thing where in which it sounds ridiculous to say that uh, we have 100 years. That seems like you know we've survived for six thousand, uh, six well six thousand years of, of of since agriculture, fifteen thousand uh, before before that, um, and 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 you know and and we have been in slowly evolving for you know even before that of course, and so the 
the question of whether or not um, this might be longer, maybe ten thousand seg culture. Just just so I, in case I'm wrong. Yeah, I believe it's actually ten thousand. Yeah. Um, anyways, um, so but did the, it seems unreasonable to be like ah, well, after all of that, we have a hundred years or we're doomed, and yet and yet at the same time. We are definitely on this – every single thing that you learn when you're reading this sort of thing um, is is that it's going to come slowly and then all at once. And I have no idea what the all at once is um, or what that will look like um, or at what point the number of different survival indicators that we're slowly ticking off and destroying of collapsing will, will, will happen. Um, I I don't. There's all of these pieces of it which which are so outside of my scope of uh, of knowledge that while simultaneously I feel um, I feel like it's 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 hyperbolic, and yet uh, yet it's hard to it's 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 it may it, it really may not be you know like there's a, there's a decent percentage and, and I'm not going to say I I think it's remar- I think it'd be I think it'd be hard to say that. Um, I might say in a hundred years, if we have not gotten off the planet, we may not have the ability to then create an ability to get off the planet because we will be so focused on trying to survive this one that the idea of of, of building spaceships will be so outside of a realm of reasonability. Right, and, and I was actually gonna—that was actually the thing I was going to point out—is it does it does appear that that was his point. He wasn't saying that we'll be dead in a hundred years. He's saying we have a hundred years to get this project started because by then if we haven't if we don't have it if we don't have that ability by then we may not get the time to get it that was really what he was saying he wasn't saying we'll be dead in 100 years he's saying we have 100 years to figure out this ability to leave the planet yeah um and so man it's like uh, like it's one thing it seems it seems so so ridiculous and and to some extent i think that you know um it, but yeah, 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 on our same, on our current trajectory, uh, at least in a hundred years, we'll know. You know, like, again, it's, it's these pylon effects, right? It's not just the one thing. It's not just it's not whether or not we can survive on a three degree planet or four degree planet. You know, if there was, uh, if there were, say, three million people on a four degree planet who had all the technology possibly could, could they survive? Almost certainly. Um, could a ten billion person planet um, with with four degrees warming? Um, uh, be able to do other things different question and i would in fact say almost certainly not but yeah like like or at least a vast percentage of them won't be able to live and well, therefore, there, won't, there won't be 10 billion of them for very long that's right. what you would say yeah exactly it's, it's it's a it's a very dangerous and very difficult in different scenario uh when those conversations start being had and so you know i'm i i i think it's i think it's i think it's best to have the discussion um uh, I, I think it's best to have all discussions. I think it's best to reasonably put every everything in front of people and be like, "Well, here are the range of possibilities, um, and, and 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 none of them are great. Uh, but we get to choose which one of these ones we get to move forward to now. And the longer we wait, the more likely we get some of these less fun ones, <sighs> right? You know, like I, I, for a while I've been sort of stuck into the three ways that I see forward, and, and none of them are great. Given that the best one is that we removed 1.5 trillion dollars from the gold market overnight uh, when the carbon bubble bursts, because we don't know we no longer have the, the the length of time to to slowly deflate it. You know, there's not and there's no longer a opportunity to spend 30 years slowly getting off fossil fuels. We basically have to burst the bubble and figure out how to figure things out tomorrow um and so and so there, there's there's a vast percentage of of, of things that are going to go that that we still have the hurdles we have to f- solve 
And so I'm, I'm not against it. I guess I'll say, I, I think, I think bringing up this possibility of this conversation, um, will stoke the sort of conversation of like, well, leaving the plan is all that matters and we can't try to solve it now, which I think is, which still is like, you know, for Elon Musk and for Hawking, uh, it's easy to say because, or easier to say because they're the ones who would th- in the, would who would get to go. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's, it's it's very you know if you're the people who are are, are going to say this and be in this scenario, you're the ones. You know, Stephen Hawking wouldn't live to twenty one hundred. He's already like seventy. So I, I don't like. But anyways, it's much easier to say that per- to to give up hope on on this planet when you're the one who gets to leave this planet. Uh, and but for seven billion people uh, at least, uh, that's not going to be the case. You know, this, this, you, we don't get to leave. Um, and and so you're really is, and so there's a danger there of saying we have to leave or we die that does not keep, keep in account the second piece of this which is a lot of people die no matter what. Well, and the other problem, and I mean, it, uh, one of the one of the movies to reference here would be Elysium. Uh, not a great movie, but it was the graphics were cool, so yeah. I've watched it twice. <laughs> it was it was fun to watch, but not a good movie if you know what I mean. Hmm. But essentially, it's talking about a, a space station where all the rich people go to to leave the the poor to essentially burn on a on a dying planet and uh and that's one of the other questions too right so one of the things we're talking about he's talking about is you know we need to we're going to develop a permanent moon base and then we're going to develop a uh a sort of robotic moon base uh, a a robotic base on mars and then sort of basically like piggy piggyback slash leapfrog planet to planet farther out into the solar system um and so you know so essentially that the 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 infrastructure for the the mars installation would would most likely make sense possibly to uh be the purpose of the construction of the moon base for instance that this is where you would build your your larger ship or your your higher end technology uh to get further out uh but it it, of course the social justice aspect be like well who gets to go well either all the rich are going to stay and kick the rest of the people out or the rich are going to go and leave everybody else here uh so that's it's it's even then it's not a solution and and we need to acknowledge that as you say um but uh uh, yeah i think i that's that's i think that's where i'm at too which is that we have to remind people that it's within the realm of possibility that we could be extinctified uh that that's on the table and that doesn't mean that we're saying that it's certain that doesn't mean we know when it's going to happen that doesn't mean we know what that's going to look like but it needs to be acknowledged and it should never be allowed to to be insinuated that it's not possible for that outcome to happen because it is very very possible uh especially if we continue to do very little to nothing um so the other kind of aspect about that is so there there's that angle which is the sort of the rhetoric the rhetorical the rhetoric side of it um and then there's the the actual planning side of it which and that's sort of where the segue of the the social comes in <clears throat> but of course you know the question that would also remain uh uh how how likely is it that that would actually solve our problem? <laughs> uh, so if we if we develop space travel, but we haven't li- you know found a way to live in harmony with our surroundings, well then we're just going to harsher environments uh, where our inability to manage our natural resources is going to be even more required. And so the question then comes up: if we are able to uh, manage our resources such that we don't simply repeat this problem where we land and on a much tighter timeline because we're going to be in a much less hospitable uh, environment, well, then why did we need to leave, right? So there's that window of the, well, if we, can, if we, can, if we aren't just simply delaying the problem by, by exporting humans, then do, is there, it, will we get to the problem, right? So is it, does that solve the problem? And if it does solve the problem, then do we need that, the, do, did we need that solution in the first place such that, you know, the optimal solution here, of course, is that I would love to go to space. Uh, I think that's super cool. I've said a while ago that, you know, I signed me up <laughs> for that Mars spaceship. Cool. 
I'm all over that. That sounds awesome. Uh, but that that shouldn't be something we look to as a solution for this problem because it's almost certainly not going to solve the problem. It, it at best will delay the problem. And that's even under the incredibly unlikely situation that, it, that this move or adjustment to our population is done in any just way. Uh, but also that uh, we it doesn't it doesn't change the problem that we need to find a sustainable way to live in balance with our natural resources and environment it, and that that's not a requirement for life it doesn't change that in any way um, so he's essentially saying that this is something we need to do I would say because uh, what he's concluding is not that we won't find uh, more, that he hasn't thought of that problem I, I'm sure he or that that part of it I, I think what he's probably getting at is that there's so much damage already done that we're going to want to do this regardless. Um, not that he thinks this is some type of solution to climate change. Right. Yeah. 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 I think that this is not a, this is, this is not a, here's our brilliant way forward. This is a man. You got, we really did not, we did not do this. Well, we should, we should look into that is, is really where this is coming from. Yeah. Uh, the last little uh, note on that uh, I think I want to make is, is really not so much on the environment perspective, but so much on the technology perspective, which is that I did a little bit more reading up about uh, his sort of thoughts and what he's been working on with Musk and others uh, with regards to this project. There's a there's a Russian uh, tycoon of some variety who's uh, also very interested in this topic uh, and a number of other rich people, which is what makes me start being a little bit nervous about this whole project. But anyway, um, uh, to, to do this is – uh, simply the idea of the sort of technology that we'll need to do that. And, and one of the things I thought that was just very, very, very neat from a, a technology point of view is that they're, uh, they're talking about essentially uh, uh, nanoscale sailboats uh, to do pre-exploration of future planets, which I thought was super, super cool. So, uh, of course, we don't have faster than light travel. We don't have anything near light travel. We, we barely break the sound barrier. Uh, that's not true. But uh, we're, we have a long way to go before these journeys are not life ships, where we essentially have to put people in, in suspension uh, to get there. Uh, and don't even get me started on the time variance uh, relativity problem of people, if they want to ever come back to Earth, will be different ages than the people that they left. We don't even need to get into that cool stuff. Uh, but the, the, simple, uh, the simple way that they want to do this essentially is that uh, uh, a stream of light essentially has uh, momentum. And if you put a small enough object in its path, it can be carried uh, roughly the speed of the beam that you're beaming. Uh, so essentially what they want to do is shoot a giant laser beam into space and put a bunch of nanoprobes with giant nanoscale sailboats on them, light-powered sailboats, uh, to essentially be carried with the wind as if it was a stream to launch uh, nanoprobes to begin pre-exploring and sending and beaming back data uh, from Mars on a journey that will take as, as little as a, as a, as a I believe, I, I have to, I'd have to double-check it on the article in front of me. It was either a few weeks or, or at most a few months, uh, but much less than the years it would take in actual space uh, craft to get there. And, you know, it's one of those things where, where, you know, necessity is the mother of invention is one of those things where this push, uh, despite its terrible nature of, of why it's become such a hot topic, is um, probably going to inspire us to do some cool things. And I like to, A, nerd out, but there, it's not a matter of simply sort of like uh, um, amorally or... or uh, um, sociopathically be blinding to the terrible things that are happening that would require this, but also that often humans are not really well motivated by fear and often, or at least some people are not motivated by fear and, and some aspiration is sometimes necessary. And, and that is the, that is the prism through which I view these types of discussions is that maybe a little bit of emotional carrot to go along with that emotional stick uh, is actually useful. What do you think about that, Stephen? 
Sure. Um, <laughs> like I, 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 I think that there's. I, I've become uh, unsure. I guess what motivates people, because um, I, I don't know. I, at this point, I'm not even certain. You know, I think everyone's. I think I feel like it's something that we've tried everything, uh, and. And I don't know if we even danced around in a onesie. Yeah, exactly. There's literally. This, yeah, it's quite. It's on our website. It's true. Yeah, that is the thing that I did once. Um, well, multiple times, but only once for camera. Um, the I, I, I come down to a point of, of which I, I think that every everyone is impacted. Everyone has a different driver. Um, and so the the best way we can go about it is trying everything. I think you know at this point you know the, the, where else do we come from? I think the the most common example of success is when you are educated from a sm- from a young age about the the dangers that you face, and so that's when you're really open to at least understanding how the world exists. Um, and then you can try to figure out how to solve the problems of the world uh, later on, and you can fight about those. But uh, you know, an education uh, is, is ends up being sort of in my mind one of the one of the things that works but then again you get to a point where someone's learns all those facts and then they get to 12 and they see now they listen to alex jones and they and they think everyone's lying to them um and and it's all over again and so i i I feel like i I come to a point where i'm just sort of like try let's just do everything there's like what there's not a there's not one way towards this thing and i and a part of it also i think that a way that does seem to work in some ways is uh, is that if there's enough new places for the brain to show up or enough new places for things to arrive in, um, then we are uh, you know then you see once you start seeing it everywhere, then you start believing it's a real thing, right? If there's four, if, you know, if you look one way and it's like oh it's an it's an it's an economist paper, um, oh now I'm reading a sci-fi book about it about about climate change doing something bad, oh now I'm now I'm uh, you know doing some future proofing on my house, like if it, once it becomes sort of saturated within the within like all of the different ways you can look at it. Like if you're, if you're looking for doom and gloom, here's some doom and gloom stuff. If you're looking for hope. Here's some hope stuff. And I think that, uh, sort of prevalence ends up being what ultimately just changes the actual culture. And I think that's the last piece, right? Is that there's a massive inertia that you need to overcome of, of, of convincing the culture of society that, that this matters. I like how you keep using unintentionally all these, uh, uh, aviation oriented words. <laughs> the, like, yeah, like yeah, and it's it's well, we're trying to fly a plane here. Um, that's what really matters about climate change, right? Is can we fly? Um, and and so, and so that to me ends up being good where I where I where I land on that. And, and there's not necessarily, a, yeah, that's right. You're welcome. Uh, um, and so and so and so I don't have another. I don't have another. Uh, I, I don't have the solution, I guess I was say. And so I, I'm into people at this point I think I'm just into anyone trying anything and I'm not I'm not gonna come out and saying anything's not effective because I don't know what is or what isn't. So just if you think what you're doing if you convince one person with your weird way, like if you want to you know, if you do if you do just the weirdest thing that no one would say yes to and you convince one person that that that, that works, then then you've convinced one person and that's better than that person not believing in climate change so we win yeah or believing in it and just being apathetic right of course. uh which is unfortunately probably more likely in a lot of cases okay so my final thought here and one of the things i was thinking i just thought of this while you were talking Stephen, was that <clears throat> one of the things is you know we, we we've looked and, and and probably you and i were in different years at u of t and, and took different classes but you know we both took, took some form of an environment program here at the university of toronto and one of the things that I'm sure was in your programming, as was in, in mine, was this, uh, was this historical look back at the impact of that first photo 
looking back at earth mm. and um and the amount of, and the perspective that really i mean that was you know it was sort of very easy to to do a google search and sort of like oh okay yeah that's cool uh and, you know we have lots of pictures or there's better ones that have been done in in photoshop and whatever and so like now it doesn't it, its impact has been eroded and and i would say argue almost completely eroded uh unless you were there right and unless you were unless that's sort of a touchstone for actually being present during that time period and and I feel like, but what it really did was it allowed people this this immense sense of perspective, and and I think that it really did cause a shift at the time. And I would argue potentially here uh, that what we need is a modern version of that, in a sense that, you know, whether it be a random person on the street or whether it be Rex Tillerson or some, or some other uh, giant CEO uh, or former CEO that now works for Trump. Um, that perspective of really un, really seeing Earth as a whole, literally. And the impact that might have on their psychology. And so I would potentially posit that it is hypothetically possible that things like, you know, people going like they're traveling to the moon base and spending a few hours having to go through airlocks and understanding that that to even have a crack in the window is to to suffer a, a most painful death um, of the extremeness of an unearth environment. Uh, to really, really hammer home the respect for for what we have. Um, so I would put that forward as 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 an idea. I would also put forward as because the moon base isn't ready yet. If anyone's sending up, we have uh, Tesla is sending up something like forty thousand communication satellites uh, to blanket the world in high speed internet over the next few years, uh, every part of the globe. Uh, many other companies are doing similar things. Thousands and thousands of satellites are being launched. Somebody, please put Google's new VR camera on one of those things so that people can experience from a, like, imagine, imagine being able to essentially rotate your perspective, uh, around a shuttle launch. Um, that would be super cool. But I also think that that really could have a powerful modern corollary to the impact of that original photograph. Hmm. I will also, Hmm, that, I don't hmm. know. I just thought of that, but, uh, I, 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 in the moment I feel quite strongly about that. Yeah, man. Anything, please help us. All right. <laughs> I've lost my I've lost my ability to to, to to think about things, and now I'm just sad. All right. Well, Stefan, as usual, has a snappy one liner to close us off. So let's wrap up there. <laughs> Thank you so much, Stefan. Thank you to our audience. Uh, go buy yourself an ice cream cone or something. Whatever before makes it you melts. Good. Yeah. <laughs> I was trying to let them finish the episode feeling good, <laughs> Stefan. Goddamn, Stefan. All right. Thanks, guys. Take care. <laughs>